up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, nice to see you again, mate. Good to see you boys. How are you doing? Yeah, good. And um, we're joined again by Charlie. Charlie, we invited you on again and you bring us another defeat. Explain yourself. Well, no, no, I see. I think... I think... It only counts if I was on the previous podcast. And I was going to say, if, if we had snatched victory at the end of this game, I would have said, boys, I'm going to leave you to it because uh, <laughs> because it was clearly going pretty well when I wasn't about. Um, I'm clearly a stroke of bad luck. Um, but uh, seeing as couldn't quite get across the line, uh, I better come and help you boys uh, pick the bones out of it and uh, you know have, have another therapy session. So what, we're saying, so what we're saying is, is that you're on the... Uh, on the podcast is the reason we lost, not the fact that we turned the ball over 18 times on Saturday. Really, it's because you're on. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure all of the boys up at Farley House would, uh, would like to think the same. <laughs> Their review session done. Why did we lose this week, boys? Oh, Charlie was on the bloody podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't bode well for next week, does it? Are you going to take the blame for a, a defeat, La Rochelle away? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, look, I'll, I'll, I'll post it in advance now. Uh, yeah, it comes to me if you've got any issues uh, after after next weekend. Preemptive blame, blame taken for the defeat already. Um, Tom, how are you? Are you are you recovered from from Saturday night's heartbreak yet? Well, I thought I was, but I've just spent the last hour and a half or so rewatching the the game. Um, you know, I don't know why I put myself through it, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had a couple of uh, a couple of beers watching the the, the game on Saturday, um, and my memory was a little bit hazy. But no, I've rewatched it, and I can confirm that it was as grim and as bleak as it was the first time round. Um, yeah, not not the most yeah. enjoyable way to spend a Monday well, evening. Well, you can't be taking it as bad as Gabriel. I mean, he I can see him there. He's still on the beers, still trying <laughs> to down the sorrow. The down the down yeah. fire has started. <laughs> bringing back a, a, a couple of Coronas the ones you the ones you have with lime of course not, not yeah. the, uh, that other type going around <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah boys uh, I think one positive we can take from from Saturday though was the seeing 2,000 fans back in the wreck um, us not able to get there Tom me and you in tier 3 at the moment being in Bristol and Charlie you being away at the weekend meant that we weren't lucky enough to get a ticket but it seemed like a great atmosphere from from the 2,000 fans that, that were lucky enough to be at the rack I think it made a hell of a difference doesn't it mm. I, I like watching the game as well I felt I felt like the rugby across the boards uh, across the whole Champions Cup yeah. just seems to be just a, a bit more alive. I think it's been kind of rugby's lost its soul a little bit watching it over the past like few half oh, few months in a way. And I think fans just give the player a bit more energy, um, something a bit more to fight for. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, 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 I certainly thought that it, it gave yeah gave those games a bit more bite. I think it it looked and and sounded on the TV like it was kind of more full than than just two thousand out of fourteen thousand. Um, I don't know. I don't know who was in charge of uh, counting them in, but probably don't give them a job as a bouncer. Um, but, you know, you get the you get the wide views to the temporary stand, and it seems to be pretty busy. So, um, and you can certainly hear them as well. Um, uh, sort of cheers turning into groans, I think, as the match went on. But it was it was quite loud on the TV. I thought. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Charlie. That the um, the, the fans definitely add something to to this rugby. Now, that, that, that Friday night game, uh, Ulster Toulouse definitely was benefited by by the fans being in there. And uh, I think on the on the opposite side, watching the Bristol game where there were no fans, obviously Bristol in Tier Three, as I mentioned, you know, it's pretty soulless Ashton Gate at the best of times. But compared to the other grounds uh, in Europe, it definitely looked even more soulless this week, Tom. I thought that looked busy for a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's get into to, to this game. We are going to preview the the La Rochelle Bath trip to La Rochelle uh, the, the upcoming weekend later on in the podcast. But let's preview uh, review the um, the game we watched on Saturday, lads. And Bath's defence, Charlie, for for that first try was really uh, was really poor, and kind of a theme which which followed through for for the rest of the game. I felt. Yeah, I mean, it was it was so difficult. We were so we were so dominant in the first well, most of the first half, really, and it's something that I felt has popped up kind of in in all our defeats this season. We're just not not cashing in on our opportunities, and on on the flip side every time Scarlett's got a sniff at our line they seem to come away with points and yeah we defensively we just seem to collapse especially down um down Joe Thock and Seeger's channel they were getting so much change down there all game uh, Steph Evans was, was was running riot down there and yeah again I think I think you you got to point a finger at, at big Joe a little bit he kind of bit in on on the on the defense He's got to trust his inside man there. Red Path was, was coming across and you look at it on the camera angles and you think he, he, he's got him covered all day long. Um, and yeah, that was, that, was, that was quite disappointing completely against a run of play. Yeah, it was it was so frustrating that try because it was just so obvious. We get too narrow, but Cam Redpath has, has clearly got the centre there. There's no need for Joe to to bite in, and then he can just tackle him out into touch, and, and it's been completely diffused. But I think not only that, but then the kind of weak cover defence as well. It was just yeah, a really poor try to concede. I felt like Tom. Yeah, I was, I was just looking at um, at Steph Evans. Actually, I thought I thought he had a good game, and you know, it's the story of two guys that have been out of action for you know for some time and have shown shown kind of real promise obviously Steph Evans picking up um you know Welsh caps uh, you know I think 2018 or 2019 um but yeah I was just on his profile on ultimate rugby and I was looking at who he'd played for apparently he's represented Bristol Bears women um from 2020 to the present um so um yeah I wasn't I wasn't aware of that but um I'm paying for that ultimate rugby subscription mate yeah I know uh, Brian O'Driscoll is uh, is absolutely milking me for my money, but um, I'm happy to pay it to the great man. Um, well, that's Stephanie Evans. <laughs> well, you got the wrong, oh well, yeah, you got the wrong one. <laughs> You've definitely got the wrong one, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, well, could Stephanie Evans be 26, six foot and 95 kilos? Guess she could. I mean, there is she a picture. Be. There is a picture of a bloke. In yeah, the I've just, I've just, I've just okay, to, maybe that doesn't rule it out either. We. Um, yeah. Anyway, right wing defence was 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 really bad, and I think it was definitely an area that they'd they'd uh, they'd looked to cap- they'd looked to kind of try and exploit. Um, kind of from the very outset, um, you know, they were going wide, and again, we were being way too passive and mm. um, and kind of corner flagging, and it just feels like you know, just in one phase from set piece or or even from a ruck, um, you know, we will we'll concede twenty twenty five yards and be like massively on the back foot. Um, having to try and get back behind the behind the gain line, um, and then yeah, just stuck on a seager, To be honest, just not making good decisions. 
Uh, he, he's clearly a man that is very, very low on confidence and, and you don't like to see it for, for a young guy um, like him. But um, he, seems, he seems kind of all at sea. Uh, and, and, and for me, I was, I was quite surprised when he came back into the, the starting lineup. Um, you know, I, I think, as I said a couple of weeks ago, he needs to earn his right. He needs to earn his place back in that side. Um, and maybe he needs to, you know, have the pressure taking him off, off him a little bit um, and, and sort of, um, you know, Rocket Aguni, who has been so sharp this season and we know what he can, he can do in seasons gone by. For me, he needs to be given the, the, starting, um, the starting shirt on that wing um, while Thokonosiga kind of gets back um, up to the form he's shown. Yeah, do you think... Really, really tough. Sorry, Gabe, I'm just going to talk, but just continuing on from that, it is a really tough decision to make because we know when he's on song, Doc and mm. can can win you games. He can do unbelievable things, ball in hand, but he's clearly, he's he's not in song at the moment. And I I can kind of understand why why, why they starts him. I'm sure he's, 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 you know, tearing up trees in training. I, I'm not sure, but his form in matches hasn't been good over the past few weeks. Like, undoubtable, he's a fantastic player, but, I, I, I do think you've got to point a few fingers at the coaching staff here and say, look, what, like he, he played a full 80 and it was clear he wasn't having a good game. Rocket Goonie unused on the bench. Like it, it's, it is clearly where Scarlets were, 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 were getting through. That's where, that's where they're making all their attacking plays was down his channel. And he, yeah, they were running sixes and sevens around him. And I just think Rocket had to come on like after 60 minutes and, and you're kind of still looking at the clock and the clock's ticking by. And, you know, it, it's not. It's not like he was. He was you know, tearing them to bits in, in attack, and he was just. And they were doing the same to him in effect in, in defence. He, he didn't really bring anything to the table in that game. And I think you've got to. You've got to look at. There's got to be some substitutions made there, and it, I, I couldn't really understand that at all. Yeah, I think that sentiment's shared by a lot of people on Twitter, Charlie. But I think maybe the reason they st- they went back to him, Tom. Uh, obviously he started on the bench in the previous game came on really early with all of those injuries we had at the start of that Worcester game but was on the bench I think maybe they thought with um, JJ back defending in that 13 channel he'd be able to give him a bit more support but it just it just wasn't the case we normally see JJ really effective as that, that kind of drifting defender but again we're just conceding as you said Tom so many yards from just first phase plays which they literally just pass it down to the other wing and they've made 20 yards, and then our big pack are on the back foot. And when they come back the other way, we're, we're sort of scrambling. Well, it's really thought, frustrating. Thought, you know, JJ had a very, very quiet game for, for a guy of his, his quality. And, you know, the frustration, I think, is that... Uh, and I was speaking to a, a friend who's, who's not a Bath fan, but he follows the, the Premiership quite closely. And he's sort of, you know, looking down that team sheet, and he was saying, you should, you should be arguably the best team in the league up with Exeter with with guys like that available you know we were full strength um in that game pretty much um Scarlet's had a difficult week they had a positive um COVID test the weekend before and their game cancelled they'd only met up on the Thursday having had to do the the rest of the week's training by by Zoom um you know they had a couple of injuries HIAs early doors um and you know despite that we we were unable to to put them away um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, Thogan Asiga, I, I do feel a lot of sympathy for him, but a couple of big moments, you know, that that step in to concede the first try. And then later on in the game, the the neck roll um, at the ruck when the ball had already gone oh, and, Thog- and, 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 you know, uh, McConaughey just made a break, uh, you know, really, really, he, I'm sure he'll be, you know, taking a lot of flack in the review and I'm sure he'll be very disappointed, but two massive moments, chaps. 
huge moments, really, really disappointing. I think Joe has certainly started slowly. One bar thing of which did have a, a really good game on Saturday, trying to spin it a bit a bit more positively as we look at Bath's first try, was Big Mac and tries, Charlie. Great interplay from from Bath's stars, I think, down that left-hand wing and, and McConaughey scampered in. Yeah, I honestly think, I thought that that try sort of summed up what a difference kind of international players can can make to your team. I think I had it down, it was sort of Joseph to Watson to Mercer, back to Joseph to Underhill, to McConaughey to finish it off and it, it was just kind of all these international players linking up and uh, that that's what made the difference he 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 had a he had a brilliant game uh it was a shining light as he always is yeah. Roy McConaughey is is, is 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 a good godsend really to this bar team uh, at a difficult time um, yeah. but uh, yeah uh, he yeah he, he played very well and so and yeah so did uh some of those international boys thought Cam Redbar just to just to play devil's advocate on that try so you know, clearly very skillful from from those guys involved, and it, it was a really good try. But again, it's just kind of un, in unstructured play. And again, to get to score a try, we are reliant on like a moment of brilliance from um, one of these these stars that we've got. And I think that 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 was a feature of of our attacking game. I thought we 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 rely on like an individual moment of brilliance from someone to you know a break from McConaughey or you know from from Watson or an offload or, or something like that. Um, and and I feel like in, in terms of actual structured attacking play, you know, sleek looking back moves, um, um, and even just you know the simple two on ones, which we were unable to take on a number of occasion, a number of occasions. I think whilst it was a good try, um, I, I think our attack more generally, uh, it, it just looks fairly toothless at times, and we do rely on those big moments from our big players, which which I, I find really concerning. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you, Tom. I think I can't really remember the last time we scored a we scored a try first phase um, and really tore tore a team up or, uh, off yeah. a scrum line out like that. I mean, other than a driving maul or a pick and go, it's not mm. it's, it's not what you're really looking from uh, looking for. And, and that's I mean, what just. Sorry, Charlie, but that's not just on Saturday with Matavesi at 10. We see that when when we've got Priestland at 10 as well. It's not just the fact that we had a, a backup fly half in there. So well, I, I thought he did a good job, to be honest. Uh, I, I thought he did a good job at ten. Mm. He worked. He worked well in tandem with with Cam Redpath. He was the only player I thought. Um, well, not not the only player. I thought thought he worked well in tandem with uh, with with Redpath. But Redpath looked like such a classy player. His 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 ability to to offload, distribute, make those half breaks. It, it's uh, it's incredible. And now I guess Tom, it's players like him as well that are they're allowing. Um, these outside backs like McConaughey uh, and Joseph to you know, to make to make to make the most of this broken play, but yeah, that we, we can't be relying on that. You're completely right, and mm. this we're gonna, we we have been talking about this this playbook to die for uh, of Gerwin Dempsey's that um, we've never really quite seen. But it's been I mean it's been three years now, and it is it is slightly worrying. Um, I agree. Yeah, it is slightly worrying, and I think I think there has to be some question marks over that. Uh, because as, as, as you quite rightly said, you can't really. Where do you change up the personnel? We've got such an incredible team. I mean, we've spoken about the possibility of getting like a, a high signing, uh, big name ten. But uh, other than that, I don't, I don't think that is. You know that I, I don't think that is the, the, the difference with some of these teams. We had what forty points uh, was the difference against Exeter. Uh, a couple of weeks back and yeah, uh, I, 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 a high class 10 isn't worth 40 points 
With with Dempsey, I think he, to be fair to him, he has a, had a two seasons, hasn't he? He joined before the 2018-2019 season. Um, third season, so, yeah. Yeah, this this is his third season, yeah. So and but but, but you're right, and he you know he's so highly touted. The 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 you know the sounds coming out of Leinster about um, what a talented coach he was, and and we we have given him time, and we you know joked lots of times on this podcast that it will come together, um, and I'm sure he knows knows what he's doing. He's he, he's a clearly a very um, impressive guy. Um, you know, he's had a very impressive career, but we're simply not seeing um, enough collectively that 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 we should be with the personnel we've got. Um, and I don't know what the answers are. I don't know anything about back play at all, and 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 you know, I don't I don't pretend to. But it it, it just seems so toothless. Um, and you know, you get a Scarlet's back line that are you know missing some missing some guys. Um, you know, haven't been together that much at all. Um, and they're kind of cutting us to ribbons at times, linking up really well, two on ones. Um, the Bath guys have the skills to do it, um, but collectively, it's just still not not clicking. Aren't we a, a two inch Ben Spencer reach from from not talking about this at all, though, lads? Is this a bit of an overreaction? No, I, I don't think so. Even if, even if he makes that, even if he makes that two two more inches and gets the ball over the line, and we we win the game. Still letting out a massive sigh of relief. You can't wait. You can't wait for. But the last the last play of a game doesn't make the entire game. There were so many opportunities that went begging. The, that two on one with Mercer and and, and Rocco de Guini, that was such a huge opportunity that that, that went begging. I mean, Mercer, yeah, Mercer's got to he's he's got to straighten up once he makes that gap. He cuts all the way across. He's giving the pass early in the five meter channel. And and it, Gareth Davies just all he has to do is drift across. I mean, you've just oh. got all he has to do is have a no arms tackle, which should be a yellow card and penalty try. But yeah, apart from that, it was fine. No, I don't, I, I don't think so. Huh? Yeah, Come on, I didn't. I, I didn't see that. Mercer, yeah. he, he he shouldn't even get a hand on him in that situation. Mercy is straight. It was almost it was almost mirror image of um, the dying seconds against Ulster mm. uh, last year. Almost same corner, same player, almost exactly exactly the same. Same, same dodgy yeah. tackle, but similar dodgy tackle by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, take Mercer on in that Ulster game. Pardon, sorry. Didn't Stockdale take out Mercer in that Ulster game last season? I think it was. It was. I think it was Mercer and Rocco de Guni on that occasion, Charlie, and then Cockney yeah. Eagle on this yeah. occasion. Yeah, 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 but yeah, no, frustrating that we didn't take those, those opportunities. Yeah, um, I mean, to get back to, to 1913, though, lads, just looking then in, into the second half with an effective Will Stewart pick and go, you must have enjoyed that one, Tom. Yeah, you know, it, it had been a long, a long time coming. I mean, my overriding reaction, um, you know, w- watching that, and I think in, in the lead up to that, um, what was it? I think it was 14 13. So we had kind of the one point advantage on just, just prior to that try. And we've been playing some really nice stuff after half time. Um, but yeah, I, I was just a bit, um, uh, a bit gutted really that we were only one point ahead. Um, you know, it, it felt like we, ha- we should have put that, put a few more opportunities to bed um, and obviously not conceded that try. And, you know, for all the effort um, and all the dominance really that we'd had. Um, to only be that one point ahead and then when Stewart scored in the corner only to be six points ahead um, you know to me it just felt that we needed we needed more in that period of time you know it was it was a well taken try um, but you know it didn't close the door on Scarlet's in, in the way that 
you know it should have done by that point in the game. Yeah, it did. I mean, but even even just before half time, I was I kind of I think I messaged you boys saying you know how how we only mm. how we only four points up kind of with, with thirty five minutes gone, and they had two opportunities where they kicked to the corner and they 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 could have mauled it over had they been able to win their line out if it wasn't Charlie Yule's turning it over once or twice, um, and it's just we're just not taking our opportunities and I, I like the you, you flip it on a Scarlet's point of view. That they they should have put that game to bed so that Hardy breakdown uh, down the left off that mall where he he passes it he passes it behind I, was it was it Steph Evans who passes it behind um, that that should have been a try all day long I mean they're they're probably saying oh we yeah should, should have been game set game set and match with fifteen minutes to go um, and it's just it's just frustrating uh, why why would it, I can't I, it's so hard to put a finger on why this keeps happening but it does keep on happening and I, mean, I was reading a couple of comments from Anthony Watson after the game and he was saying, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know, we'll go away and we'll learn from this, which I know is, is a kind of standard media response, but it seems like we're not learning from these situations. It was the same against kind of Newcastle at the start of the season. We, we, we had, we had all the territory, all of the possession in, in the kind of the first, first half an hour and we're not coming away with any points. And then teams just, we, it seems like, it seems like we punched ourselves out and teams just come back at us late on. Yes, it's the it's the big question, I guess, is whether this is um, a kind of a blip and we'll we'll get back on track with last season's form, or whether last season was um, you know uh, a bit of an anomaly of, of a few months, a couple of months, or whatever, and and actually we haven't really changed anything, um, changed anything uh, you know particularly fundamental. Um, mm-hmm. But gee, you've barely spoken, so go on, mate. Well, no, I I do tend to think that that we are well. I think. Charlie, you seem pretty upset, uh, upset's probably not the word, but pretty annoyed about the way we played on, on Saturday. And I do agree, but I, I do also think that if we do score at the end, and I know it doesn't come down to that, we are having a completely different conversation and we're, we're what? Lee Halfpenny's knee and their, their guy's just two inches away from having a different conversation. But I do think, Tom, to answer your question, is we're so reliant on certain guys having really, really good games you know, I spoke last week about how Ben Spencer was our Jenga piece. And I do think that unless he has a really, really good game, we kind of struggle to, 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 to assert our authority. I think as well, we're really reliant on those those front three having really strong games. And when they come off or when they don't have really good games, so Dana, Barno and Stewart, I just think we're, we kind of look a little bit toothless. We're really reliant on that scrum, that maul and that pick and go game. And those guys are, are so vital in that area. And Ben Spencer kind of managing those areas as well. Unless those guys play really well, like they did post-lockdown, I do think we're kind of left a little bit toothless and, and just ineffective. And again, and not, not to, to want to focus on refereeing decisions because I don't think it came down to that. But I think those were actually two areas where there was kind of some strange judgments that were made in my view. So Abano, I think, was, was pinged sort of three times in that first half. Um, and I couldn't really see what that was for. I mean, it was, there were, you know, I think at least, I think two of the three were kind of a classic case for a reset, um, kind of both kind of hinged equally, um, you know, not, you know nothing, nothing more than kind of bad timing. Um, but Abano seemed to be getting, um, uh, getting punished for, for, for those scrums. And then obviously, um, you know, towards the, towards the latter part of the game, he, he started to dominate. And the other thing I thought was was Maul. I mean, um, Stuart Hooper mentioned it that they changed tack a little bit at half time. Um, you know, there, there were a couple of occasions where mainly Watson I think had kind of made that half break like he does, 
um, is kind of held up, gets his knee to the floor, um, and then the you know the whole the whole thing kind of topples to the floor, um, and the referee's giving a, a scrum scarlets, um, which again kind of seemed quite strange. And as you say, the, those are both quite fundamental parts of our game, um, and I think showed that we you know didn't really adapt as well as as uh, as we should. It did feel with those Benno decisions that Alex Ruiz just didn't want to reset and slow the game down. There's so much chat about speeding the game up. I think he felt like, oh, well, it's Scarlet's ball. I'll, I'll just give them the penalty. It, there wasn't. The, you're right, Tom. There are clear moments where he reset, where the, the two guys go down at the same time. And it just felt like he was giving it to, to speed the game up, which is really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, Benno was unlucky. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, he's, he's there. His knees haven't gone to ground. Both props have, have, have just caved in in the middle. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right, Gabe. I think he was trying to he was trying to speed up the game. But, you know, if you're going to speed up the game, short arm it. Don't, don't, don't give yeah. it a full penalty. I mean, especially when it's, when it's kind of within kicking distance of the post. I mean, we're, we're lucky that, that uh, Lee Halfpenny's normally uh, most reliable boot wasn't reliable on, on a couple of occasions there. Mm. Yeah, frustrating. And I think the mall, Tom, you mentioned the mall, us getting caught in the mall for a choke tackle. But our actual mauling when we took lineouts was was really poor. That's kind of a staple of of where we've been really good, our mall attack and, and getting a platform from there. But of our own malls, we won three of seven of our own malls which is, is, is terrible. So you get the ball back three, three times of the seven times you set up an attacking mall, which is really, really bad. And that kind of contributed to the 18 turnovers that, that we conceded, which I mentioned at the start. Turnovers at the mall and also turnovers where we make a little half break and guys are just not supported. And it was, um, is it Jack Morgan, their, their open side, was over the ball really quickly. And, and we were just, our forwards just weren't there quick enough. And, and those turnovers, as soon as we started getting some territory and getting some possession together, we, we just shot ourselves in the foot so often with, with, with just silly turnovers. Yeah, look forward to um, going over to La Rochelle to play, a, um, you know, oh, there are only tiddlers out there, aren't they? So I'm sure we'll be fine. Mm. Yeah, frustrating times. Should we talk a little bit about the last five minutes, guys? Um, or the last kind of two minutes of the game and then the last five minutes of, of, of overtime? Question of so near but yet so far, Charlie. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I guess you, you can kind of bring up some of the, the refereeing decisions as well. I think there were like three penalties within the five-metre line, a couple of held-up uh, held tries that you're kind of wanting the ref to reach to his pocket and really put them them under pressure um, and that that was a bit frustrating um, but yeah so close yet so far um, Tom do you think, I, think we should have gone for the line out and then maul I've just said that our maul was really ineffective but that's been or a scrum that weapon's been so effective as opposed to this pick and go I don't know yeah we weren't as you say we've got to be adaptable and the maul wasn't working for us the scrum mm. wasn't particularly either as I was saying so um, I didn't mind that they were going for the, the tap and go and mm-hmm. was it it was interesting that Mercer was the guy to take it. Um, you know, I know you're keen on the tap and go, aren't you? Oh yeah, I, I loved it. I loved seeing it, and I thought it, it put us two meters out immediately. I think mm-hmm. they, especially when our on a line out, all was working very well, as you just said, Tom. It's uh, it seems like you, you you know play the percentages in that situation. You've got you, you've got to hit your man, bring him to ground, hope not to get sacks. You know, feed it back to the back of the mall. I mean, and then, then from there it could get collapsed with kind of 
quotation marks around it and it'll be turnover. So I, I think, yeah, just, just tap and go old school up the jumper, off you go. What I thought was, yeah, it was working for us. What I thought was strange though, was that the pick and go has been like fairly, I'd say decent part of our game over the last season. Um, but I, I thought in those last five minutes or so, we were, we were just kind of, they were just kind of going alone a little bit, um, not having that guy kind of latched on. Um, there's a few times that, you know, they got a little bit over-enthusiastic. So, you know, Elliot Stuke, I think, picked the ball up, went in quite high, gets driven back a few metres. Um, and so we, we're not able to like build that kind of rumble of, of momentum as we have in the past. So um, it was definitely kind of, you know, white line fever and, you know, with the pressure on, uh, you know, with it being so close and towards the end. Um, but yeah, you know, I just don't think we were quite quite calm and composed enough um, in 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 that in that last few minutes because you know there were a number of occasions where um, you know we had we had three or four bites of the cherry um, and I was very surprised that someone didn't get over the line cleanly. I bet mm-hmm. we we did yeah we're cleanly yeah that that is the thing and we were very unlucky not to get the ball down. I mean it's 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 so tough because I. I you can't you can't really blame the boys too much for getting held up. I mean, they've got themselves over the line, and sometimes it's just it's, it's just luck of the way people fall. Like yeah, that half yeah. penny held up is phenomenal yeah. effort from him. Yeah, I mean, off against his knee, and it's great. And the, the, the tackle on Spencer as well is a fantastic tackle. I think it's from their number nineteen. I do think we have to give Scarlett some credit for some immense character at the end of the game there. Yeah, because they were defending for like ten minutes, like mm. pretty much ten minutes by the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, no, great character shown by by Scarlett. So I just want to clear something up, lads, as well. I think there was a bit of frustration at the end of the game about how the ball was kind of ripped from from Spencer when he was in the scoring motion. But that is a legal play. So if a tackle player is in the act of reaching out to ground the ball, players may pull the ball from the player's possession. So completely the right decision by Alex Ruiz at the end. The, the, the Scarlet's guy was within his right to pull it away. And maybe he should have had a, a scrum Scarlet's or something to reset. But as time was read, he, he called that at the end of the game. Well, I, just yeah. watched it back. I just watched it back quite closely. And, you know, I'm convinced that, um, you know, on the, on the, the breakdown before, the phase before, um, uh, Spencer kind of goes for that, 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 that diving try. The referee has his arm out for a penalty. Now he's um, saying backwards. Oh uh, right, you Scarlett sure? Was saying knock on. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I watched it a few it times. Well. They were saying knock on at the base, and he went no back like that. Uh, well, maybe there was a case then that Spencer thought it was a penalty advantage because he seemed he seemed pretty, you know, gutted at the end. I and mean, he was like remonstrating, and the fact that he kind of went for it in that way made made me think that that he thought it was a a penalty yeah. advantage. Um, Trying to draws a bit there, I think, Tom. Mm. I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, it's plausible that Spencer saw the arm right and and went for it. But yeah, I, I didn't realize it was backwards. Um, yeah, tough, a tough uh, defeat, guys. Yeah. Another European defeat, not won in Europe since January 2019. Tom, why do you think we've not won in Europe since January 19? In that time, we've had some really good Premiership results. Why is it that we can't get over the line in Europe? Well, it was just six from six last season, wasn't it? We got beaten early doors a couple of times, and then um, put the kids out for the rest of the um, the rest of the tournament. And to be honest, um, I fear that if we don't get the result against La Rochelle, then Stuart Hooper will kind of take a similar um, selection philosophy, um, and that might mean that we go winless again um, in these four this season, um, which is obviously a um, you know a just just. 
not not a nice accolade to have. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, I think I think I mean because because it's there's so few games and so many teams in each league, uh, twelve teams, four games. People are talking saying that even if you win all 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 three of your of your sorry all four of your matches, you may not even go through. So uh, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, let, let's talk a bit about team selection for, for the La Rochelle game a little bit later, guys. But um, I've actually gone back and done a bit of digging about Bath's last home, uh, Bath, about Bath's last victory in Europe. Um, so do either of you remember who that was against and what the Wasps. score was? Wasps. Wasps, yeah. 1816 on the 12th of January, 2019. Now, is that the wreck? Toby Bartel scored a couple. Uh, no, he set one up um, for for Max Green and then Mercer scored one. But Bath played six front rowers, clearly, in that game. One, only one is still at the club, which is Jack Walker. I wonder if you boys could name the, the other five front rowers that were in the match day 23 for Bath on that day. Um, Lahif. Lahif started tight head. Um, Nathan Cat. No, not Cat. It was the hooker. Uh, Nathan uh, Charles? No, that's a way. Lucas, Lucas Naguera? Naguera was on the bench, Lou said, yeah. Sam Nixon? Nixon was on the bench, tight head. <laughs> so we've got one Lou said and one the sub-hooker. Oh, um, what's his name? The, oh, the That big Lou said who was the oldest guy at the club. Oh, uh, oh uh, Peronise. No. No, he was tight head, wasn't he? Um, who would the Lou said have been at that point? Oh, They're both of the, of the same nationality, I believe. I think. Oh, Jacques Van Royen? Jacques Van Royen was the loose head. And who was the hooker then? Well, so you think it's a, you think it's a Safa? I think he's South African, yeah, yeah. Put you out of your misery. Michael Van Buren was in the six oh, And there was as many as many um current Bath players in the Wasps front row as there are now in the Bath front <laughs> that day, with Will Stewart starting at tight head for Wasps on that day. Um, and people say we haven't made progress. I mean, yeah. you know. Look at the uh, and on the bench, so obviously the eight guys on the bench, not one of the players on the bench that day is still at the club, which is remarkable, the turnaround in the players. Wow. Yeah. I think there's like seven in the 23 that are still at the club, which, yeah, shows that it's been turned over a little bit, I think, over the, the course of the last 18 months or so. Um, but still no success in Europe, clearly. It was also the game where Falatau came back after three months and refractured his arm. So, <laughs> um, hopefully, well, I guess that was... Pardon, Tom? I was saying, is that fracture number four or five? You know, <laughs> same arm. Yeah, pretty frustrating. Um, that's kind of maybe trying to look a little bit positive. Any other positives from the the game on Saturday, Charlie, before we turn to, to La Rochelle away? Well, uh, I guess the only positive is if we carry on on the run of form between these two teams, we will be winning uh, the away fixture uh, because <laughs> only, only the away teams uh, have won in uh, our when Bath and Scarlet's met in the Champions Cup. It's, it's wild that we've played them 149 times. Well, it's like the first game was like in the in the nineteenth century or something. It's crazy. That's yeah. like more than we've played like Bristol. I did enjoy the ragdoll yep. on the post. They've been involved. They've been involved in rugby. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. Talking about the ragdoll, mate. No, I say I, I, I quite like old traditions like that with the yeah, the uh, the ragdoll that they play for tied to the post um, throughout the game. 
pretty sick to be fair I think one positive was Sam Underhill's performance guys I thought he he was absolutely phenomenal I think 16 tackles on on the day but every one of them kind of jumped out the screen as being a, a really good hit that hit on Calamaphoni when he picked up from the base in the shadow oh. of his own posts which led to the Stewart try was felt like a really big moment it was a monster hit yeah yeah incredible player uh, yeah, he was, the, he was thing, the thing we said that he might be a bit tired and should have the week off uh, <laughs> crazy I just want to say one thing and then maybe put something to you guys quickly um, I saw a comment on our Twitter feed um, from um, Bill Mitchell um, around kind of, around Zach Mercer and kind of ideas to stop him moving obviously there's been rumours that he is linked with um, Montpellier okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I've been thinking about this a bit and um, yeah, uh, you know, he obviously came on after whatever it was, 10 minutes or so, um, you know, and Falata went off. I thought he had, he was one of the brightest sparks in in attack. Um, yeah, he made a couple of mistakes. You know, he passed the ball to to the opposition once and he, he didn't, you know, fix that two-on-one like you were you were talking about, Charlie. Um, but I, I think that, that Bill's right. I think there's a real danger that Zap Mercer looks elsewhere. You know, he hasn't been... Um, favoured with England since his debut back in back in 2018, um, and he seems to you know be playing second fiddle to, to Falatao. You know, my concern is that Mercer leaves at the end of this this season, um, which will obviously be gutting. Falatao's then got one year left on his contract with Bath before you know he's 31 or 32 at that point, um, and maybe he looks elsewhere. And potentially at that point, we're a bit we're a bit short at a number eight. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe a slightly um, controversial opinion, but um, if I was Stuart Hooper, I'd be seriously considering, um, in, you know, in, in terms of the long-term interest, turning around to Zach Mercer and saying, right, you are our number one. Um, you know, Falatao plays so infrequently. Um, they joined at the same time, same season. Falatao's played, I think, 34 times for Bath and Mercer's played 56. So... Mercer's played a lot more rugby and I think will play a lot more rugby in the future. But I think if, if we don't show him the commitment that he probably deserves, um, we will lose him and then we'll lose Falatao um, and we'll look back and, and regret that we didn't make this call. Yeah, I mean, so Falatao's contract's up at the end of next season, did you say? Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I can imagine him seeing out that contract. Wow, he's lucky to have that long contract. I mean, considering the amount of games he's played. But you've got to remember, Mercer's, he, he's still only 23. I mean, he's a he's a very really? good guy. Yeah, he's only twenty three. Like, he's got so much potential, and I, I I completely agree with you. He's been he's been one of my kind of one of my favourite Bath players for for a while. Actually, uh, stuff he can do with ball now is is phenomenal for for a back row of his size. And uh, I, I think I think he has he has got to be handed the reins somewhat in that number eight jersey because you don't want to see him just hanging around on the bench and. And being uh, being number two because otherwise, yeah, I think I think he will start looking elsewhere. Um, but, but Tom, yeah. Saturday today, fourteenth of December, twenty twenty. Who's the better number eight, Mercer or Falatao? Mercer. I I I I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I, Falatao has form has been so patchy, G, over this mm. last this last six months or so. And you know, when when you think about it, so you've got the international fixtures are, are packed. You've got the Lions as well, which he'll likely be involved in. And then he's got one more season next season. He, he'll probably only play, you know, maybe 10, 12 games more for Bath. Zach Mercer's 23. If he spends the rest of his career at Bath, he could play hundreds of more appearances than, than he's currently got. 
And I, I think you'd probably have a pissed off Toby Falatau. Um, but I think in the interest of the, the long term, um, you know, I think that's something that if I was Stuart Hooper, um, I, I think that's what I'd, um, I'd be turning around doing because we, we will lose that Mercer and he is such a class act and such a young guy. Let me, let me rephrase my answer, Gabe, to you. Hmm. I think when they're both, like, when they're both uh, playing their best game, they both have the best game, Falatao is perhaps the best player. But which one are you, do you want to sign? And which one do you want to have playing week in, week out for you? Because I think that's a pretty easy answer. Well, I th- no, I think they're different answers. I think could I, if I could have one of them, if I could have either one of them playing week in, week out, I'd definitely have Falatao. You just said, Tom, he's going to go on the Lions tour. He's a hell of a good number eight to Falatao. And yeah, he maybe not played his best rugby, but he's a really good player. Now, I see the point about the long-term option, but are we not trying to win now? So when Falatao's fit, shouldn't he play? There's a there's a balance between now and um, and the future. You're a you're a, a Somerset fan like me, and this reminds me of the um, Somerset cricket, the the Joss Butler Craig Keys better situation where um, you know we had them both playing Butler involved with England, kept hold of him, and then they both left. And I'm just really worried. That, that I'm just really worried that that's what's that's what's going to happen here. Well, Keysbetter didn't leave. I mean, we don't want to get in the weeds here, but Keysbetter had to retire because of an eye injury. We chose to keep him, not Butler, um, which would be like keeping Mercer, not Falatau, with their international appearances. But yeah, definitely one to to follow. Um, and I think Zach Mercer, I think we're going to hear some news about that maybe shortly. And, and it would be such a shame for, for him to leave. But I think if we are in a win-now mode, a win-now mode, then then maybe we should stick with Falatau. Yeah, if Mercer goes, for me, that is an absolute chronic mistake to make and he will go and tear up trees for years and years to come and ultimately have bitterness towards the way he's been treated at Bath. Um, and I think, I think that will be um, a massive mistake and, and very short-sighted um, when you probably, as I say, only got um, 10, 15 games of, of Toby Falatau left, unfortunately, in a Barbershire. But is the, is the reason he's looking to leave more because he's not involved with England than he doesn't get picked more regularly for Bath? Because he does play pretty much every time he's fit for Bath. Because as well, you say, Palatau isn't there. The article I read was very much that he felt like he wasn't being given the um, the, the, the reins at Bath. Um, and obviously, you know, Freddie Burns got involved and gave his two cents as well and said that it was kind of a similar situation. And you can see why that annoys players. You can see why... Um, you know, Mercer, who was like player of the season um, last season, um, you know, and then just can't can't um, get a gig at all. Um, is, get, is getting left out fairly regularly. Um, and, you know, to be honest, Falatau just hasn't been showing the form that we would expect from him. Um, and, and Mercer has. And yeah, uh, the, the, it's just, I, I just thought I'd, um, you know. That's no, good. And let us know on, on social media, at Bath Rugby Plug, with your thoughts. I do think, certainly amongst a lot of Bath fans, they uh, share the sentiments you have there, Tom. And it would be a huge shame to let a 23-year-old, wild that he's only 23, uh, leave the club. Uh, let's move on to, to La Rochelle then, boys, this weekend, Saturday afternoon game. Tom, I think this is one that certainly you would love to have, have been going to in a, in a COVID-free world. Oh, it's just such a shame, isn't it? I mean, we've, you know, we've enjoyed the Toulouse away days and the Clermont Avernes away days. And, um, you know, my, uh, La Rochelle, I think, are my kind of um, team away from, team away from home. I think they're similar to Bath in some ways, really. Um, a lot of individual talent and potentially don't um, uh, very regularly live up to that um, in terms of the, the results that they, they, they produce. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it looks like, um, uh, you yeah, know, an absolutely incredible stadium and an atmosphere so 
Um, very disappointed to, to be going. Do we know if they're going to be French fans in no. attendance? Behind closed doors. Right. So that does play into our favour somewhat. Mm. If, yeah. If there's, yeah, that's, that's probably the best circumstances we could be playing at La Rochelle. Yeah. I think that's right. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know the stat for the whole weekend. But I think out of the first five games of of this weekend, round one, four of them were won by the away side. So it's it, seven of the first eight. Was it seven of the first eight? Seven yeah. First so, eight. So, yeah. It, on on Saturday evening, only uh, only uh, one home team had won. So that'll probably turn around this week when Bath gets La Rochelle. But close to the wasn't, wasn't that mainly because the English teams were just rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a competitive domestic league. Yeah, no, I guess I guess uh, the other uh, the other kind of uh, light for us, I suppose, because uh, La Rochelle have been 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 running great guns in in the top fourteen, but they didn't have a particularly convincing win uh, over Edinburgh. Uh, they won away in Edinburgh, thirteen eight. Um, so it, it kind of I think the scoreline slightly flatters Edinburgh there. Um, kind of scored a scored a kind of second half try, uh, kind of a little kick through, a bit of a shot at nothing that was a fumbled ball and uh, they kind of managed to bundle it over the try line. Um, uh, yeah, but, La Rochelle's second try wasn't a, a, a piece of genius. That was just from a high kick in the air which Pergos dropped and they scored. Yeah, but I mean, kind of from from what from what I've read about it and uh, and kind of seen in, in the highlights, I missed the, the actual game itself. But uh, it seems to have kind of always been in control, kind of dominating territory and possession for for, for most of the game. So uh, it'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, I don't I, think they were very impressive, but I think they did miss a couple of kicks, as you say, which may have made it a bit more comfortable. Tom, who have you highlighted from the La Rochelle squad, which uh, could cause us a threat? Well, I mentioned earlier that um, they've got a fairly fearsome pack, um, and it, you know if we don't have it together, um, you know at, at scrum time and, and at mall time as well, um, you know as we did against Scarlet or we, Scarlet, so we get on the wrong side of the referee, it could be a bit of a mauling and could be quite nasty. Um, how's this for a, a tight head side in the scrum, chaps? Uni Antonio, six foot five, 145 kilos on the tight head prop side. And then straight behind him, coming up, coming up um, in the second row, is Will Skelton, six foot seven, 125 kilos. So that has got to be potentially the most powerful side of a scrum, um, potentially in world rugby. Um, so I think, you know, um, Ben Obano and who will it be, Charlie Yules. Uh, <laughs> Might have some, you know, fairly might be fairly sore on um, on on Sunday. I think what's going to be really interesting is is team selection. Mm. Um, you know, it's going to be very difficult now to qualify for the next stage, as you were saying, Charlie. Um, you know, with with needing to win really all three games. Um, but you know, I think in the the Stuart Hooper interview with um, with BBC Bristol after the game, he he seemed to be very much minded to you know this is our final crack at Europe now. So we're going to go all out, put out our best team um, and just, just see what we, we make of it. Um, I guess the alternative view you could take is it's so unlikely um, at this point in time that do we, um, as Gloucester did, do we um, kind of save the boys now for, for the premiership? Um, I, I don't know what, you, what Charlie, you're shaking your head. I, I, yeah, I think I, think, look, I can understand it for the third or fourth game, but I, I, when I saw that Gloucester team sheet, I kind of I felt sorry for all the other Gloucester fans out there. Yeah, I'd have been if if uh, if Bath had just kind of 
you know, thrown in the towel without even having played a played a match. I've been furious. And I think, yeah, the, the, this game is kind of it's it's all or nothing, I suppose. Go out there, try and get the win. Uh, if not, it's 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 probably beyond us. And um, uh, I don't suppose we can uh, we can get anything there. Tom is uh, kindly putting up uh, some topless photos uh, of, uh, of 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 Will Skelton and uh, other members of the. Uh, <laughs> that was oh, a, a visual joke always great on the podcast didn't he turn up at a Michael Checker training camp probably looking a bit like that um, not in the best nick but I think he was about 100 oh no it was at Saracen's training camp and he turned up and he was about 150 kilos and they were like right you need to get 20 kilos off you here um, sorry anyway all back on being back in France <laughs> yeah what is it red, red wine and cheese with, uh, with, with your lunch after training Anyway, yeah. sorry, come on, Charlie. No, I agree with you, Charlie, before Tom really interrupted us. I, I think we spend all this time during the premiership season saying qualify for top six, qualify for top six, and then you lose one game and everyone's like, oh, well, rest the boys and focus on qualifying for the top six. What are we doing? Like, I saw um, Chris Boyd's interview after they lost to Bordeaux on Friday night. He, was, he just said, yeah, we, we're, we're going to rest everyone now for Europe. Completely throw the towel in. That would infuriate me if that's what Stuart Hooper says. Like this is what you you kind of go for. You, you try and qualify for Europe to have a crack at it. Otherwise, what's the point? I would really be disappointed if we put out a, a weakened team and kind of lambs to slaughter. We've got all these guys back from internationals, so let's use them and let's put out a really good team. Yeah, yeah and what does it say? To, what does it say to the younger guys as well? If you know yeah. you send them out to to get you know it handed to them. Um, in an away day in France doesn't exactly show um, massive support of the club does it when, when there's still a chance that we could qualify yeah here you go <laughs> Gregory Aldrich running down your channel all day long <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> yeah yeah Greg Aldrich the France number 8 obviously number 8 for, for last do we think, He's a hell do, we think, do, we think it, do we think it'll be enough though I mean do you think we've, we've actually oh, well, let me rephrase that do we think we've even got a chance if we do put out um, you know, a very strong start against La Rochelle. I mean, we we it was it was it was a poor performance uh, across yeah, over over eighty minutes this weekend. It was it was a poor performance, but I think we take more of those opportunities and uh, and you know we we kind of have more of these players uh, on song. I reckon yeah, it's, we of course we can win it. No crowd. There's a, there's a lot of elements in our favour, and. It's it's not over. It's not over yet. I think I think we go we go we go all guns blazing and try and get the win. But I mean, do I think that'll happen? Slightly different. I, I'm. I, I, if, no, no. It's, it's 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 whether we can turn around a completely different performance than we have shown in the first kind of four weeks of the season, which have all been you know kind of fairly similar. Uh, and I'd, I'd I'd like to say that. I'd like to say that it's, it's, we're, we're going to turn it around. We're, we're going to take all these opportunities, but I don't necessarily think we will. And mm. uh, I, in, in all honesty, I think we'll probably come out on on, on the bad side. I do think we've got a chance, Tom. If, if we can re- rekindle some of the, the form we showed post-lockdown, take the sale away performance, for example. If we can put in a performance similar to that, we, we've definitely got a chance against La Rochelle. And say we do get the victory, and obviously that's extremely optimistic. I don't think Scarlet showed us anything on Saturday that we should be really fearful about going to the Parky Scarlets. And then it's La Rochelle at home in, in, in the last game. And if you do need three wins, it could be on... Tom, you're laughing at me. <laughs> I love it. I love. I love. I love the optimism. I mean, when you put it like that, we should we should do it comfortably. Um, can you imagine if we did that and then still didn't qualify? 
um, how disappointing that would be. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, looking, having watched, um, you know, a fair few Larishill home games, the crowd do seem to play a big part. So I think you're right, Charlie. I think that does swing, swing it in our favour more than it probably would, um, would otherwise. And, you know, um, let's hope for a, um, a slightly flat um, La Rochelle um, and, a, you know, a, a Bath team that are come rekindled, full of confidence um, and a, a Joe Thock and a Seager hat-trick to silence uh, you two critics. Now, and if we are going to take one piece of, um, of posit- uh, one piece of positivity into the game, the last time we did win against Wasps, Ben Whitehouse was the referee and it's Ben Whitehouse again on Saturday in La Rochelle and he's actually a friend of the podcast Tom I don't know if you remember when we uh, had a few drinks in Claremont we bumped into him after he'd assistant refereed that game in Claremont so hopefully he remembers it and he um, looks at it with uh, blue black and white tinted glasses on Saturday but uh, yeah am I clutching at straws when I'm saying Ben Whitehouse is our best opportunity (laughs) (laughs) we'll go with with that Cool. Thank you very much, guys. Um, another weekend of European rugby is is almost upon us, so that's going to be really exciting, whether Bath do uh, win or lose. Just the last thing from us, thank you very much for listening. Um, myself and Tom are going to be back in your ears, hopefully, later on this week when we appear on the Scrum on BBC Radio Bristol, Tom, with Jeff Twentyman. Yeah, so tomorrow, um, six o'clock, I believe, um, uh, UK time uh, for our international listeners. Um, so tomorrow uh, I suppose on, that'll be that'll be uh, today as you're listening that's alright yeah Tuesday <laughs> 6 o'clock UK time um, uh, yeah I think we've got a it's a half an hour um, a programme on the BBC you may have, may have kind of listened before um, talking kind of all things Southwest Rugby um, you know Bath and Bristol I think mainly um, uh, so yeah um, tune in and I think um, they'll keep you on for the Bristol segment Tom uh do you think yeah. they'll keep you on for the Bristol segment? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be allowed on live. Will they, will they keep you on with the Bath segment? The amount of negativity coming from you. Uh, yeah, apparently I haven't got a chance this weekend. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. You know, you boys have given me some, you know, given me some confidence there. Ben Whitehouse is going to do it for us. And, um, <laughs> you know, Will Skelton's going gonna, to gonna be blowing after, after 10 minutes. Mm. Well, yeah, do find us there and, and find us across social media at Bath Rugby Plug. Hit subscribe in your feeds where you get your podcast. And most importantly, share it with your mates if you are enjoying us. Hopefully it's been a bit of a therapy session after another European defeat. We'll be back next Monday to review, hopefully, a European victory for Bath, a famous European victory in France. But um, whatever the result, we'll be back. Don't worry about that. So stick behind the boys through thick and thin. <laughs>